How's everyone today? Good. It's great to see you all. I had a number of people ask me in the lobby if I've been on sabbatical again this summer because they haven't seen me. Said no. Despite the rumors that Nick O'Neill is starting around our church. Just kidding. Uh, no, I've been in, gone the last number of weeks. Throughout the month of July, it's been great. Um, I was really excited for you all to be able to hear from other people communicating the word of God, and it's been an awesome week. Last week, I was able to be here and hear Josh teach as he opened up our series, our new series that we're going to engage in today, and uh, it's been fun to be able to visit other campuses at the Lapeer campus and the White Lake campus, being able to speak and teach there the last number of weeks, and uh, it's been great. This is one of the beauties of being one church in many locations, and I love that, and it's been great. I'm wearing my, I'm representing my kids, T-shirt Woodside Kids. Uh, our kids have been the last week, maybe yours as well, mine has, at uh, Camp Woodside. And so a lot of people are going to pick up their kids today. They've had an amazing week. We've been getting pictures and reports and all that. And so I just want to represent our kids' ministry today and uh, thankful for all that they do in helping us, coming alongside of us in discipling our children into followers of Jesus, holistic followers of Jesus. I also just want to take a moment... You know, you've probably heard and seen a lot of the devastation in Kentucky with um, much, uh, you know, uh, a lot of damage from um, uh, flooding, and it's been pretty horrific, and I always try to report on this stuff because we as a church want you to know how you're involved in some of this stuff, and so with all that's happening, we always look for a partner. We don't need to do it. We just want to partner with people and be able to love them and support them because it's about the kingdom of God. Again, it's not about Woodside or Woodside Lake Warrior. It's about the kingdom of God. And so we're able to partner just to let you guys know with uh, Appalachian Project, Christian Appalachian Project down there, as well as First Baptist Church there in Garrett, Kentucky. And uh, because of your generosity, Woodside has a special fund where people are generous to, as well as when people give. Uh, It's called our... um, our Woodside Cares Emergency Fund, and it's utilized for things like this here locally in Metro Detroit, um, in different aspects, but also some of this stuff either globally or around the country. And so Woodside, because of your generosity, was able to spend $20,000 down there for them to partner with them and help them and come alongside them so they could be the hands and feet of Jesus in the area that God has planted them. So just, it's always an opportunity for me to always continue to come back to you. You as the body of Christ expressed here in Lake Orion say, thank you for your generosity. You're making an impact. We as a church are making an impact outside of just this place or this, just, this community because of the generosity of this place. And so just as always, I want to say thank you for that and because uh, you guys are just an amazing people to lead, that follow the leadership of our church um, so well. So we'll be in 1 Corinthians this morning. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And... Um, I'm looking forward to opening up God's word today with you. Josh did an awesome job last week of starting the series and opening up with just so many people. Uh, Some of the positive feedback I got was, hey, Jim, did you notice as Josh preached, we were in our cars by 12.05. You may want to take note of that. Uh, And I said, hey, teach their own. And um, he said, man, it was a powerful message. And he said it in 30 minutes or less, Jim. Any idea how you could learn to do that? I said, no, it's not in me. Um, But I know it was awesome. I love uh, hearing our guys be able to share the word of God with you. I know uh, it was a blessing to you all, but we're going to continue as we start in verse four today and continuing this theme, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter one, looking at unity. Unity is a pretty big deal. 
I don't know about you, but I, I well, I, I don't know about exactly you, but I'm coming up this, this year in January uh, will be 15 years that I've worked at Woodside outside of attending uh, Woodside. And man, there's been some really powerful times in my life here. Uh, all three of my children have been baptized in this place at our lake baptism, which is coming up, small plug, last Sunday in, in August, all in, in a lake here in Lake Orion. Um, my kids have experienced and found Jesus um, in this place and in this community across numerous campuses of Woodside. Uh, we've had some amazing spiritual high moments uh, with God and with the community of faith here and around uh, our, our campuses. And my wife and I have both just, it's been a profound 15 years for us to experience the love of God with other people in the church. But if I'm just honest with you, there's also been some low lows. There's been moments where people have hurt me. Um, there's been people that, that have disunified with us or separated with us for petty things. There's been times where I've hurt other people. There's been moments where everybody didn't get along perfectly. And you know, to some people, there's a big term, or not a big term, but like a popular term today, and it's church hurt. Like, man, I, I'm, not, I'm not involved in church. I like Jesus, but I'm not around. We'll come back to this in a moment. But I'm not really involved in any of that because too many people have hurt me because they're all hypocrites in the church. And I'm always like, yeah, I know. You know, if you want to go to a perfect church, don't come to this one because this one has too many people. Because we're all broken, right? And so and when you look at it, when you experience it, you can have, and it's sometimes that, that juxtaposition, that, 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 that dichotomy maybe messes with people enough that they're like, man, I just can't do this. We're supposed to be this, and we're supposed to live in this spiritual goodness with one another and walk with one another in harmony and unity, love one another well, but I've experienced this over here, which is disunity, hurt, brokenness, selfishness, or whatever it may be, and man, I just can't partner those two things together, so I'm just kind of out. And what I want to show you today is that God calls us to something greater, as I hope you can see every single week. In the unity of the believers, that's why we called this series Divided, Seeking Unity in a Fractured World. Uh, you, you know, as you look around, it's not, it doesn't take long to see where there's a lot of division in the world we live in today. There's, there's division over politics there's division over, you know, philosophy. There's a division over, uh, you know, um, whatever, philosophical ways that we think about the world. There's, there's division over spiritual things. And it's so easy, and, and I think it's so, you know, you know, just normalized within the church to look out there and be like, man, the world is divided. And what we want to share with you, what I want you to see is the world is not just the only one who's divided. The church is very divided today. And I think it makes the Lord sad. And we'll come back to this in a little bit, but like there's a lot of not just division out there in the world, but it's seeping in here in the church as we divide with one another over many things that are not gospel issues. And so the Apostle Paul, just this isn't a new thing, same thing back then. So the Apostle Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and he writes a couple of letters and he's trying to encourage them in the faith, but he's also calling them out or exhorting them to, to kind of confront some of the errors of their ways. And next week will be great as we get into kind of the core of it. But he wants the Corinthian believers to see what I just expressed to you before we did this, the power and the riches of their unity in Christ. 
All that they have in Jesus is the thing that's to unify them together. And I'll just tell you, this is a tough task. This isn't easy. Even the most seasoned believer, they've been around forever. They've been walking with Jesus forever. This is not an easy task. So that's what I just want to look at. Like, how does a, a follower of Jesus, how does one who follows Jesus to practice this sort of faith? And what I want you to see totality, the, the whole thing, what we're talking about today, what I want you to remember is this, that God has given us everything we need in Christ, and I'll add a word on there for unity to walk with one another. He's given us everything in Christ. And I want you to notice like some key words there. It doesn't say God has given you everything you need in Christ. With so much of, I'll come back to this again, so much of Christianity today wants to be expressed in in, in individualism rather than community. And we're gonna get to it, but I didn't say we have or you have everything you need in Christ. I said we together in this place, this local expression of the church have everything we need in Christ. So let's look at it together, just the first few verses, verses four through seven, and we just see, man, we're rich in the right things in Christ. We are rich in the right things. Look what it says. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you're rich in the right things. Again, I just want to point out, this is, this is just good reading of the word of God. He says, and I give thanks to my God always for you. He's not saying you, Jim Dalkey. He's saying you, plural. The church of Corinth, collectively, as I write to you, a community of believers, I'm so glad that you, I'm so, I'm so profoundly thankful for you and the grace that God has given you collectively together in one place. Paul often opens up his, his, his epistles, his letters with thanksgiving sections, like I'm thankful for this. And he points out one of the ways that they express their Christ-like characteristics. And it's amazing within 1 Corinthians, you don't find it. You find it in Romans, you find it in Ephesians and Thessalonians. Here, Paul doesn't hi- highlight any similar trait of like, man, you guys are killing it in this area. I'm so thankful for this. Rather, Paul hones in just with with great effort to highlight what he's thankful for. And he says it there, I'm thankful always for you because what? Because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. He says, the one thing I am so thankful for is that the grace of God has been given to you in profound ways, that you've experienced the grace of God. And this is the fundamental aspect of being unified to Christ. He's saying every one of you, as this would have been read publicly, each one of you has experienced the grace of God. Like I just shared a few moments ago, in communion, this is the thing that binds us all together in unity, is that we're all the same before the Lord. There's no one in this room, there's no one in Corinth that was like, I don't need the grace of God, I've got it all together. No, all of them stood the same before the Lord, and they all needed the grace of God collectively. He says, man, I'm so thankful. You've experienced the grace God and through it, he says that they've experienced profound these two. Um, he he kind of hones in on these two gifts that in every way you are enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge. These two specific gifts, the word there would be logos and 
gnosis. And the idea there is not just general speech, that they've been profoundly graced by God with speech that is surrounded with the gospel, that it's, it's the things of God. It's not just like, man, you're a good orator. It's specifically in the idea of the gospel or the contents of the gospel. And the same would be true in understanding. Grasping the gospel message, grasping what the word of God has been professed to them and spoken to them. This would have been a big deal specifically within Corinth where they put a high value on wisdom and understanding and philosophy within Greek culture. He says, no, specifically within this, that God through his grace has given you these amazing gifts what I love is, this isn't the only thing he says. It's just not, it's not just wisdom and knowledge. He actually goes on to say that they're not lacking anything, right? He says in verse seven, so that you are not lacking in any gift. So and you have a profound grace of God that's experienced within your church, within wisdom and knowledge or speech and knowledge. Um, and at the end of the day, it's not just that, that the grace of God has been poured out on your community. On top of that, man, you are not lacking any gift. You have everything that you need. You are rich in the right things. You have all that you need in Christ. That Paul wanted to know, like, man, and by the grace of God, you guys have been quipped to live authentic lives of faith and advance the gospel message with the gifting that God has given each one of you. Yeah, there's some, because in a moment next week, we're gonna talk about this division that's there. Like, well, I follow Paul and I follow Apollos and I follow Cephas and all of these were great orators and teachers. And so the apostle Paul's like, yeah, you've been, you've been given like really good people in the community of faith there in Corinth that are great speakers and communicators and perpetuators of the gospel and understanding the gospel. But I want you to also know it's not just about that. You've also been given everything you need in Christ from every person in the community. They've all been gifted. You're not lacking any gift. And I think there's a slight nudge there by the apostle Paul to, to knock down the elevation they had of these special gifts. I mean, he goes on later on and Towards the end of Corinthians, the whole thing on the gifts where they're like putting up this one or this two gifts, these are the best gifts. And he's like, no, no, no. All has been gifted. And we'll come back to this in a moment for the kingdom of God. And without love, none of them matter at all, right? And so he's like, man, you've been gifted in every way that is necessary and needed. Within the scriptures, um, the church is often referred to as the body, Right? You're the body of Christ. It's been, it's been pretty fascinating and actually quite sad and, and overwhelming for my family for the last two years to watch my father's health decline quite a bit. And um, it's, been, it's, been, it's pretty you know, sad to watch as different parts of a human body are no longer functional, right? It's sad because now no longer can you walk to a certain place or no longer can you see as well or man, you're, when your hands stop working in the way that they should and you have to have someone come alongside and like kind of help you through that. It's just been a picture for me of this. That as you watch an individual's health decline and parts of their body stop to function in the proper way that they should, 
It's just a reminder for me, and it's been quite prevalent for my family in the last week or two. So as I'm preparing for this, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm getting clear visions of what it looks like for the body of Christ not to have certain aspects of the body functioning like they should in their giftedness, the way that God prepared for them to do, the way that God graced them to do. That it's like, yeah, the body of Christ can be quite hindered by the fact that certain people are not functioning in their giftedness or some people are looked down upon like you're not good enough in this gift. And we look to, I'm all about Paulus. I'm all about Cephas. I'm all about these other people in general because I elevate these giftedness over those and some get squashed and some get elevated. And the apostle Paul in all of this is writing about unity together. That it's grace for you. Can I tell you that one of the graces that God has given you is the believers that are sitting around you? And he's saying, Man, you, you are together collectively, the body of Christ, and in unity you should function that way. And what's amazing and profound within community, did you know you can't have disunity if you don't have community? That there's, a, there's an idea with, that's wrapped into the nuances of the word of God, that there would be an expectation that we would live communally together. I mean, that's why we put a high value on groups, that you're not, you're not meant to come in here and like slip in the back. I'm not picking on you if you're sitting in the back dark corner, but to come up the staircase and sit in the corner and get in during the last song and then leave during, or during the first song and then leave during the last song. Don't have to talk to anybody. And man, I just, I just like to come and enjoy the service. Like, I love that you're here to enjoy the service, but that's not what God intended. God has so much more for you than that. That it's hard for us to have disunity if we don't actually have community living life together. And man, wouldn't it be a boring existence as the church if we were all just mouthpieces? Everybody would just be talking. It'd be like my house. (laughs) Three girls, four technically, and I'm the bigger talker. So all you do is just talk, 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 talk. There'd be no hands. No be feet, no vision, right? And the, the Apostle Paul here writing is getting to at the end of the day, man, God's grace for you is wrapped up in the people around you. Some of the people that you don't like around you is for your goodness and your grace and you're rich in the right things and the things that God has given are the grace of God in each one of your life and my life that we would be one together in unity. And he's, he's sharing all this right before he dives into the division that's happening in the church because he wants all of us to know, he wants the Corinthian believers to know that they are one in Christ and he's been given, they have been given the grace of God and unique units to each individual heart and life for each other. The gift that you have been, you have been given, the, the grace that God has given you in your life, in your gift from God, can I just be really honest with you? It's not for you. It's not yours. So many believers today though, all of their gifts are used predominantly outside the church. I mean, I, I just want to read a couple passages for you. First Corinthians 12, seven, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So It's not for my good, for my benefit, so I can be better, so I can get the glory. No, it's for the common good, writing to the the Corinthian believers later on in this letter, that man, your giftedness, the, the grace that God's put in your life is not just for you, 
You might experience, you might enjoy it, that's great, but it's for the common good. First Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to what? Serve one another. It doesn't say like, serve yourself, become more wealthy, like do the best you can for you, get yours, just come into church and sit in the back and leave. It doesn't say any of that stuff. It actually says to serve one another. And this might be outside of this, this morning, the, the Sunday morning experience. It might be during the week and coming around people. Maybe you have the gift of encouragement or the gift of hospitality or the gift of whatever it may be. God's given each one of us those things, but he's given them not for our own glory, but for the unity of the church. That's what I want you to know today is that God has graced you, or should I say God has graced this church by your presence and in you, the spirit of God has equipped you with gifts for the greater community of the church. And God's given that to you. And when we're not unified together, it's like we're limping along. We're using a walker. Our vision's off. We struggle to support one another. We don't do life together. And maybe you're, you're here, you're watching online, you're like, man, I'm, I'm not utilizing my gifts because last time someone hurt me and I'm not doing that. Great. We've all been hurt. I'm not minimizing yours. We've all experienced brokenness within the church. It's still the bride of Christ. And it's still the thing that God looks down and sees with love and acceptance. So what are your gifts? Do you even know what your gifts are, what you've been gifted in by Christ? Man, if, if you don't know and you're like, man, I'm kind of good at like cooking, maybe that's it. Whatever it may be, that's why in Next Steps, when we do Next Steps is onboarding for our membership and becoming part of our community, we do gifts assessments there to make sure that like you're kind of, you know, or maybe you've changed and you're like, man, I don't know what God's gifted me with and I wanna do that again. Man, if you just wanna, if you wanna explore what God has gifted you with, I'd love to have a conversation with you. Alex would love to have a conversation with you. John would love to have a conversation with you. Whoever it may be to see where God has gifted you for the greater community of the church. Because we want you not to use you, um, but to see you fully alive in the unity of the church that God has given us together. So moving on, look at verse eight with me. It says, who will sustain you to the end? You have to read just before that, I cut off the end of the verse. In verse seven, so that you are not lacking any in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Continue in verse seven. Who will sustain you? Who is that Jesus? Who will sustain you to the end? Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Second thing I'll point out to you is that we're safe when we're in right relationship with Jesus. He's speaking of the assurance that we might have, or we should have in Christ. But again, I want to point out to you, Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end? That's not you, that's us. That's a plural you. Jesus' point is not sustaining you individually. Jesus' point is sustaining us, the bride of Christ, collectively. 
And he does it together. We've been called in fellowship together. So with great confidence, he explains, but the grace of God represented, the grace of God is shown, the spirit of God living in you is shown by the, the gifts that God has betrayed or bestowed on you and come alive in you. And all of that, he says, because of the grace of God, Jesus Christ will sustain you all together collectively until his return. And what I love is he shares some assurances of faith here. Man, this is, this is what you will, you will experience. Man, you will be sustained to the end, guiltless, because why? Does it say that you're faithful? Man, you can keep it all together. I'll tell you right now, if you believe your salvation is, is hanging on the fact that you're good enough, you do enough, you, you walk clean enough, you don't do certain things, I'll tell you, just, your, your salvation will fall by the wayside because you don't do good enough, you do good enough, you don't give enough, whatever it might be. But when your salvation is fully sustained and given and become reality only because of Jesus Christ, it isn't sustained, it isn't fulfilled, and it isn't anything else by you, it's only Jesus Christ, right? So, so you have to have a clear knowledge that like God is the one who's faithful, when I look in the mirror every morning, I am unfaithful. As much as I try, as hard as I try to strive to be Christ-like, every day I fail, but thanks be to God that he's faithful. He's the one who sustains me. He's the one who brings it to fruition. At the end of the day, he brings it to completeness. And I won't turn away if I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I will not turn away because of his saving grace, right? In Philippians chapter one and verse six, it says, he who began a good work in you will, not maybe, not should, we hope so, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And Jesus will sustain us, you, because God is faithful to us. Because Christ didn't die just for you. Christ died for the bride, for us. And he's sustaining us together as we are in unity and walking with the Lord. And does this mean that us believers, I know I just shared, like, it doesn't mean we won't sin, of course not. It doesn't mean that sometimes we won't wrestle, sometimes we won't give in to temptation, no. It, it, it's that we will remain faithful, not because of our brokenness, but because of his faithfulness as he sustains us through life, as we ebb and flow, doing our best to become more like Jesus. As we wrestle with temptation, as we fail, as we pick ourselves back up by the grace of God and continue to walk with God, we will be sustained because of who Christ is and what he's done on the cross for us. It's the beauty of the gospel. And he summarizes all of it by just saying, God is faithful. If you leave here with one thing today, man, you could just remember that God is faithful. No matter what your experience is today, no matter what you've been walking through, no matter what you've experienced, God is faithful day in and day out. And it's not dependent on my circumstances. It's dependent on Christ and who he is. And he's the one who gave us the grace. He's the one who empowers us by the gifts of the spirit to walk in unity together. And he's the one that will sustain us to the end. At the end, the last verse in verse nine, Paul kind of explains how all of these things are accomplished when he says, by whom you were called. You were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what we just remembered a short bit ago through communities. We are all called into fellowship with Jesus together collectively because of the blood of Jesus and all that he has done on our behalf. 
that it's in Jesus' son. And so, man, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know who's watching online. I don't know, you know what you've walked through. I know many of your stories, but at the end of the day, I think uh, I would be remiss to say, at the end of the day, just ask at the end of the day for you to wrestle with, have you placed your faith and trust completely in the finished work of Jesus on the cross? And are you, you depending only on that one thing to sustain you until one day we see him face to face? And if you haven't, then that is your opportunity today to respond, to, to declare to the Lord, confess to the Lord your brokenness, your sinfulness, all of your striving to make him happy throughout your entire life or measure up to him and say, I can do no more, I can do nothing. You are the only one who measures up and I place all of my faith and trust in you and the sacrifice you made for me on the cross by your body and your blood for me. Today, that is your response and nothing else. To throw yourself at the cross of Jesus one of the fun things I've shared before that I get to do as a pastor that many people get to do as a pastor is weddings. Weddings are awesome. I often mess up people's names in weddings. It's fine, but it's happened a number of times. But they're just, just a joyous occasion, right? I mean, just fun. I love the moments when the bride walks down and the, the guy tries to hold it together and then they all up into quivering lips as they shed a few tears, right? I mean, it's just an amazing experience. And I think as I've gotten older, it always reminds me of the picture that God portrays throughout the New Testament of this beautiful picture of us, the bride of Christ. One day, as God, Jesus himself looks at us the same way as a groom looks at their bride as they're walking down the aisle with unconditional love and joy. He loves us. Not because like Jim's lovable or I'm good enough, but because we've been covered by the blood of Jesus. And I think about that in the sense that When you're engaged to someone and you're getting ready to get married, and I hope it continues as you get continue in marriage, and everything about that person, well, I would say within reason, everything about that person you love and adore, right? I mean, the reason why you fell in love with them is because, you know, they might be silly in some aspect, or they might be a little goofy in one aspect, or something is, you know, about their personality, or whatever it may be, but like in all of it, you find it cute or attractive, or you just, you just love that part about them, right? And when I think about all that we're reading here, all of you are collectively the bride of Christ. And Jesus looks at all of us, the goofy ones, right? The broken parts of our, who we are, maybe the, the not as great parts of, of the body. And he loves all of it unconditionally, unbroken. And I just think that when the Lord looks down, there's disunity. It breaks his heart that his bride is divided saying, man, like 
Yeah, I, I don't like you because you think differently about this one political thing. So I just don't like you and I just, I, I'm, I don't ever want to see you again. Or man, it, it breaks the Lord's heart that we are the bride of Christ. We're bound together by the grace of God and the covering of Jesus. And when we don't walk in unity together, he looks as the bride of Christ is just fractured, looking at each other with brokenness, saying, man, you don't have it all together. I don't like you. Or man, you don't think the way I do, so I don't like you. Or man, you, 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 you don't, whatever My call is that we would see each other through the eyes of Jesus. You're broken here today. I just want to let you know that before you leave. You're not perfect. Just a quick pick me up for today on Sunday. And neither am I. And every day when I look in the mirror, I'm reminded of that. But the call of the apostle Paul here and Jesus is that we would live in unity together walking with one another in unity. Because we're the bride of Christ, we're all brought together under the same banner in Jesus. And we have everything we need in in the giftedness that God has given us through the spirit of God in each one of us. And we're safe in relationship with him and that's experienced in community. So man, if you're here today and you're like, I'm kind of fed up with church, I just wanna tell you the way in which you, the greatest way, the most fulfilled way with which you experience your true salvation in Christ is in the context of community. So if you've rejected community, you are missing out on a whole portion of what you're truly supposed to experience within Christ. So I just ask you this morning, do you have a relationship with Jesus? If you don't, whether you're here or online, today is the day of salvation. Christ gave his life for you that you might be unified with him and with a people. You would enter into fellowship with God himself and the people of God. And then I would just ask, are you living in harmony with God as God has given us everything we need in Christ to walk in unity together? Are you walking that way? Are you living that way? And you might be here and you're like, you know what, Jim? I haven't thrown out anybody and I'm living in complete harmony with everybody I know. Well, I'll just push on you a little bit further. But are you living in community with other people where you can actually experience disunity and then walk rightly? Because it's easy for you to come to church, sit in a service and leave and be like, yeah, I'm living in unity. Well, you haven't gotten close to anybody to have disunity. So are you living in community with other believers of Jesus in the place that you fellowship as church so that you could have some opportunity for disunity and walk appropriately? Because God called us to a deep, profound community together. I would say being a body, a single entity is the closest thing you're gonna get to community there is. And in that, in that opportunity, you might experience an opportunity of disunity but maybe we walk in obedience because we have everything in Christ. And the person you're looking at in disunity might be the person that the grace of God is meant to be experienced in you. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for your word and all that you give us in it. The beauty of the epistles is God that so much we look at and we're like, man, the church of Corinth was really a messed up place, but it's so easy for us to look there and not look at ourselves and be like, man, the relevance of the word of God today is the same, God, and I thank you for that. The things that the Corinthian believers experienced, we're experiencing today that their world might have been highly divided, 
And ours is the same, that sin perpetuates itself until one day you come home and take us with you, God. And so God, I ask that you would help us to look at the church of Corinth and live in light of that, in unity with one another. So God, if there's people in this place that have never called on the name of the Lord to be saved, they've never confessed that they're sinners, never repented of their sin and placed all their faith and trust in you. Today, God, I ask that you would help them to do that, that you would, you would woo them in that direction, that they might be back in right fellowship with you and the fellowship of the believers. And then God, for everybody in this place, I would ask that you would drive into their heart. What is it that they've been gifted with by your grace for this community, if this is the place they call home? to live out with other people. And then God, are we living in such a way like the body would live in community and unity? God, I pray against in the name of Jesus, any division over politics or the way that we think about the world. I pray for unity around the central message of the gospel in this place, that we lay aside all other things to be one in Christ as an example to the world of what unity looks like even when we don't all think the same way. May we look at each other, God, with grace knowing that that person's different for a reason because if we were all made the same, we wouldn't be a body, we'd just be a body part. And so God, help us to see with your eyes, walk with your grace as we follow after you. It's in the great, powerful name of Jesus.